Good morning, food lovers everywhere. You're listening to On the Menu with Ann and Peter Haig. And uh, uh, some say that we're through the roughest spots of the pandemic and that um, the light is clear at the end of the tunnel. Um, I'm not so sure. We're tunnel, not so sure. Tunnel, tunnel around here looks pretty black. Well, yeah, but um, so we're going to continue bringing you resources for a different model of, of getting your food. First up is a fairly interesting approach. Um, go forager is uh, not what you'd think of as somebody going around picking mushrooms. It's essentially software that helps you identify and secure a local food uh, from local producers. And we're going to talk to its founder, David Stone, and he's going to explain the whole concept to us. David Stone, I think I was drawn in by the name of your company, Go Forager. Um, it, I mean, I'm, I'm very big into foraging, um, but I really had it wrong in a way. Uh, correct us. Explain to uh, our listeners what your company is. I'm mean, really a software sure, person. Yeah, and so uh, our company is a, a social impact venture designed to make locally sourced food more available to everybody. Um, and the way we do that is we allow farms and artisanal suppliers and what we call makers nowadays. They call yeah, I know. They're they called makers. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, we make it easier for them to connect with wholesalers. And when we say wholesalers, that's the terminology the suppliers use. We mean restaurants, grocers, schools, hospitals, you name it. Um, the current way that, uh, that most of the connections and ordering works today is by phone, email, text, and it's very difficult uh, for grocers or restaurants that are super busy to you know, be spending a lot of time trying to find new suppliers or for suppliers to connect with them. It's a manual, paper-based, you know, inefficient yeah. process. So we uh, essentially uh, give, the, give our suppliers for free a digital way to, to upload all of their products in as real time as they want, their pricing, their order minimums. I don't want to get too technical on you. And then the, the, the buyer, if you're a grocery buyer for five stores or for a restaurant or a school, you can see everything that's available and with a few clicks, buy everything, and then they will deliver it or ship it to you. Um, so we're basically taking, you know, what we would call a, a non-digital and analog, pardon the, the you know, the, the hubris with the word, uh, an industry that won't scale without technology. We've reached the point that, you know, this industry needs tech to really uh, make it efficient and more accessible. And the other, uh, the other sort of key mega trend that's happened, I'm a father of five kids, Two of them are vegans. One's a vegetarian. <laughs> and the other thing that happens is, you know, right, I used to shop at, you know, Sam's Club and Costco to feed them because it was too expensive. Um, but what's happened is these kids, and some of them are in their thir early 30s now, they are gaga for local food. I mean, it, it is the, the belief in sustainability and, and oh, yeah, local yeah. food and local farms. It's off the charts. I have so much research. It's 93% of consumers tell us that, you know, that's the number one product they now look for. When they go to the grocery store, oh, yeah. um, 87 percent of consumers they'll switch grocery stores to get fresh produce in season. I mean, and during the pandemic, 
and then you know I don't want to keep talking. You know, because uh, so much of the shopping went online, right? Um, many many grocers stopped offering local because it's harder to tag it and promote it online. And it's difficult. Like I would search on Whole Foods because I'm in my 60s and I would get my food delivered, and I couldn't find a single local product on their website. So what happened is consumers started buying much more direct from farms. In fact, buying direct from farms went up a thousand percent during the COVID period um, because really? people wanted fresh, healthy food, and also people wanted to eat healthier. Um, to protect their yeah, bodies. Yeah, that's, that's one of the big trends, the health concern, yeah, as well as the online shopping. How much of this is going to carry on now that we're coming out of it or maybe we're not coming out of it? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, those that, uh, that's the, you know, I used to say uh, predict the future, um, <laughs> you know, are looking at the crystal ball, end up eating glass. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I think, you know, I think fundamentally everything has changed and shifted in terms of uh, consumer behaviors. I mean, it was trending that way anyway with Amazon when they bought Whole Foods. I mean, you know, somebody wrote a great article. I forget which, which publication. You know, you don't need to go to the grocery store anymore to buy groceries, right? I mean, you can get them delivered. You can get them right. brought to you. Well, now, how car. old is your company? It's about six years now. Okay. Because there's a lot more competition now than when you started it. Well, actually, it's interesting. There were several competitors in the restaurant space that tried to do marketplaces. Uh, basically, you know, if I'm, you know, pick a restaurant in Pittsburgh, I, I don't know the area very well, but, you know, pick your favorite restaurant in Pittsburgh, and, you know, uh, a, 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 a company would come to them and say, oh, we have a marketplace, we have all these suppliers, you know, why don't you connect with us? And what would happen is, you know, they might order shiitake mushrooms or, you know, uh, or oyster mushrooms one time from the farm, and they'll never order again, and you can't build a business on that. So we've taken a very different approach. Most of those companies went out of business. Um, we've taken a different approach uh, by initially going directly to the, uh, the grocer or the restaurant, uh, and we have schools and hospitals. We even have the main prison system using us a little bit, um, you know, to buy wild blueberries, um, which is amazing because, you know, they don't have the, the, the you know they don't have the budgets, but so uh, most of these companies didn't succeed. We took a different approach, which was really much more slow and 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 thoughtful because, you know, working with farms and, and the local food systems is is very complicated. And I would listen, I used to, to work with local farmers and various organizations. I understand exactly what you're talking. Exactly, about. and so you're hurting you're hurting cats or mosquitoes or moose depending exactly. on where you live. Um, so our strategy has been to go to the buyer and partner with them and say, you guys want to build your local food. You don't have enough suppliers. You don't have enough farm. Work with us. We form a partnership, and then we can go to the farm and say, we have such and such a farm, uh, a grocer or such and such a school. They want more local carrots. They want more watermelon radishes. They want more kale, whatever. And then the farms are going to respond to us because they want to sell, right? You know, and the other factor is the farmers markets, even though pandemic, it's hard to know now, but before the pandemic, farmers markets were saturated. They were pretty much, you know, I mean, in Portland, Maine, for example, or Union Square in New York, you know, there's no more room. There's no more stalls. They can't fit any more people. So if they want to grow their, you know, if we want to, you know, if we want to shift our move away from what I call the industrial, uh, big industrial agricultural food complex, you know, eight companies that control 80% of the food we get, um, rampant pesticides, rampant fertilization, destroying right. our soils, destroying our waters. We want to shift away, you know, we've got to make 
these connections more accessible. Uh, um, you know, 90% of the food we get, you know, typically pre-pandemic either came from the grocery store or from the restaurant or from, you know, the, the school or, or corporate cafeteria. So selling direct to consumer is good, but it's not going to shift the, the pattern of buying local significantly enough until we get more local products on the grocery shelves of, of, of the stores. Yep. Well, you know, we use the number of, um, of course, we, we've had our wings clipped somewhat because the kinds of things that we used to always um, cover, like all the national and international um, awards and, and food and wine festivals, all that stuff got canceled. Okay. Yeah. And then really hard. the restaurant, the restaurants then closed. Uh, yeah. Then, um, then what was the other thing that happened? Um, oh, yeah, the whole Trump, cult of celebrity chef died. That. <laughs> that happily died. Yeah, the celebrity yeah. chef stuff. Um, and you know, but uh, the area that has grown has been all of this um, shopping for food online. That's where we're getting all kinds of people. People who traditionally would only deal, like, for example, like um, Chef's Garden in Huron, Ohio. You know, yeah. they would only deal with top celebrity chefs and restaurants. Yeah. And they turned, because they had to stay in business, they turned to doing home contact with home cooks, because that's yeah. where everybody was cooking, and having specialized yeah. boxes, bargains. Yep. Yeah. We yeah. see a lot of that. There's a ton of innovation. I could tell you a lot of stories about the farmers that were, you know, younger, smarter, not that, and more nimble that, that were able to shift their business models to all kinds of, you know, there are all kinds of great examples of this that, you know, we could do another podcast on. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, yeah, but then there were a lot that struggled. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I know one farm in particular that was a great farm, just a small six-acre farm. He, had, he went out of business. I knew another oh, I farm know. that was making, uh, you know, uh, uh, veggie burgers um, that sold a ton to Cisco, and he was crying on the phone to me, um, oh. you, know, um, you know, literally because he lost 60% of his business. Um, but I think it's coming back. I really feel like, you know, I've been trying to book restaurants for us, and they're, you can't even get in. So it's really, yeah, yeah. really there's so much pent up demand. So I think it's coming back. One thing I do want to say, and I don't know, this is a different path. One of the things that concerns us is, you know, what I call farm to fable. So often, uh, I'm not going to mention specific names, but but there's been a lot of research, and there was actually a really good article. I think it was in from Sarasota or Jacksonville. Um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of places say they have local, but they're they're fabricating it. They're not really. They're putting yeah, well, up signs and pretending you, you and they're not to doing be, it. You, you have to be kind of uh, stupid to be deceived. But if you, you have some local um, online uh, software uh, business uh, in Pittsburgh um, advertise, I mean, promoting their weekly delivery and includes oranges and grapefruit, you know. Right, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, and we we go out of our way to authenticate everybody. And on our we, on our website or our platform, you can actually see the farm. You can actually drill down into their Facebook page, their Instagram page. You can reach out to the farmer by text or email. You can see their history. You can see the people. You know, and the other thing that we've been really working hard to do, we have a lot of women in our company and young people. I mean, we're not a big company, but but we really work hard to help small minority businesses and women-owned businesses. We've got a such an amazing 
creative list of people that are producing, you know, incredible products, um, you know, um, and, you know, some of them are immigrants, some of them are, you know, it, they're just amazing stories. Um, and we're so thrilled to be help, helping these people, um, you know, just incredible group of innovative entrepreneurs and farmers. And um, Yeah, well, because we interview a lot them. of these people. Like, I mean, our favorite spice company, um, Burlap and Barrel, I mean, they really have value and they put money back into the hands of these small um, farmers in the middle of where, I mean, like Afghanistan and stuff, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and I do, I do. And it's, it's, they eliminated the middleman, that was a good thing, the best well, spices I've ever had. That's what we're trying to do. There's no, we're not, we're not a, well, we're a middleman that we're software, but, but our model is deliver, you know, shorten the supply chain as much as possible, right? You know, uh, uh, the typical, on the produce side, and we can also talk about the, the stable, shelf stable, the typical way our system works, right, uh, is that, you know, fresh lettuce, you know, romaine lettuce is grown on some big industrial farm in California, right? It's picked early. It's then put in a giant truck and palleted, shrink wrapped, then taken to a distribution center somewhere, broken down again and palleted, refrigerated in a truck, taken to another distribution center to a grocer area or if you're a giant restaurant train, and then then rebroken down and repackaged, and then by the time it ends up in the grocery store with the water spraying on it or in, in the restaurant. Yeah, how you hate you know, that? <laughs> and, and, but all the environmental impact. And then, you know, there, you know, there's a large grocer we've been working with here. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, we have got customers in Arizona and other states, too, in Iowa. But, you know, they, this is, you know, they, they do, you know, they try to do farms. And so they'll, they'll, they'll buy, you know, straw, um, strawberry is a bad example, but they'll buy, uh, I don't know, uh, asparagus, which is in big season, you know, from a farm 700 miles away, right? And they'll bring it yeah. to their distribution center, and then they'll bring it back to the store that's 20 miles yeah, away from the farm. I mean, it's, and it's not as fresh, and there's a ton of waste. So, you know, but for how, example, I'm just looking at – sorry, go ahead. How, go ahead. how far do you reach? I mean, are you covering the, the whole continental U.S. or what? Well, when you're building these local food networks, right, right, it's, a, it's kind of a micro, hyper, local <laughs> approach. Yeah. So you can't just wave a magic wand and say, oh, I'm going to drop into, you know, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we actually had a customer in Pennsylvania – uh, a while ago, that was a, 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 a veggie protein powder company, and we provide seaweed. We would actually provide seaweed to them. It was really cool. Another story for another day. From Maine, um, but, you, you, know, you, you got seaweed. I mean, I got all my seaweed from Maine. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we provide. They had kale, they had stuff, uh, and all kinds of stuff. Well, we provide some stuff from Pennsylvania farms too. So, uh, but they were making protein powders out of all, all organic, you know, uh, uh, veggie stuff. But, but anyway, so we go where we can, where 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 we have a partner in a community. Um, because we can't just drop in, you know, and just suddenly say, oh, we're going to. So we try to find partners in a community that really care about local food, or we try to, uh, you know, uh, convince them that this is really important. This is what your customers want. If you want to compete with Amazon and Target and Walmart, right, who are giants, and they're never going to beat them in the e-commerce game because it's too, they just, they don't have the scale. You've got to have a good local and specialty product assortment. Otherwise, people aren't going to come into your stores anymore, and you're going to go out of business. Um, so, so our model is really, you know, go where we can find 
advocates and customers and where there is a, 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 a you know, a, a, a solid amount of, 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 of local food providers, and it's growing everywhere. For example, in Maine, we started a 1,000 new farms, and we're a small state in the last 10 years, 40% by people, women, and most of them younger than 40. I mean, this is just an amazing trend, um, and it's just so good. You know, I mean, I'm just looking at one of our farms here. It's, a, it's called New Roots Farm, and they're Somalian immigrants who came to mm-hmm. Maine in the, in, in the early 2000s, and you know they they are you know amazing we you know we have uh, pakistani women making herbs and spices it's just incredible uh, what these folks are doing and it's, it's so great to help them um it, it just is so inspirational uh for us now, to be able to how help. did how did all of a sudden uh, everybody i know seems to be marketing the products through gold belly yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that aggregator marketing stuff. I mean, you know, it makes it easier for uh, suppliers to be able to get on a platform like Amazon or, you know, there's a, a lot of others, um, you know, to be online um, with those things. But they don't have a lot of local products as far as I can tell. And, again, our goal is to get, you know, if you live in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, our goal is to get your store restaurant, hospital, whatever, to buy from farms and suppliers within a couple of hundred miles uh, of, that, of that place because, you know, the food's fresher, there's less packaging, there's less effect yeah. on our environment, and we're supporting keeping dollars in our community. When we invest in a local business, it's a 7x return to the community than giving it to big agriculture. You know, Cargill, well, now what, what Mexico, is... per, uh, you know, Tyson, you know, you name it. Yeah. What's the the biggest characteristic or most important characteristic um, to your company that sets you apart from all the other companies uh, that are doing the same thing, hooking online um, grocery shopping up with local producers? Yeah. So we're different in that we're we're focused only on, as I said up front, having – wholesalers, retailers buy directly out. A lot of the others are direct-to-consumer, right? Okay, and you are not. No, and then they have to put it in a box. Now, that's convenient, but they still have to put it in a box and ship it to you, right? Um, And, you know, that's an environmental pack. And a lot of them don't do local. It's just like you said, they'll throw oranges and grapefruits in there, avocados. (laughs) Um, And I'm not going to criticize anybody because, you know, they're good business people. Um, And we're solely focused on help making it easier for these, you know, for these grocers, restaurants, hospitals, schools, um, to, to, you know, buy as close to the source as they can. Um, and that way, you know, people that shop, eat, you know, go to work, you know, unfortunately are incarcerated, can get healthier, better food while we support our economy. And there really isn't, not to make a big deal, there really isn't any super strong competition for us. There's one or two other companies um, that do it, uh, but we pride ourselves on really telling the stories you know, of our suppliers, the individuals, their life stories, their sustainable practices, how they grow, how they treat their animals. You know, we go really far, and if you're interested at some point, I'd be happy to show it to you. But, you know, it just, it's just, you know, it allows them also to, you know, the, the, the restaurant or the, or the roaster to tell a story. And a lot of consumers nowadays... Do you have nowadays, a, a, a newsletter? What, who... Who yeah, we send, out a, a, we send out a, a, a monthly newsletter, yeah, and I'm happy to put you on the list if you'd like. Yeah, well, certainly. And, and, um, and our website, our, our, our product site, right? I wanted, to tell, the, I wanted you to tell our listeners about your website. 
Uh, well, the, well, it's it, the website is www.goforager.com, G-O-F-O-R-G-E-R, Forager. Um, another story I can tell you, we did a pilot with Whole Foods a while ago, before, right before Amazon bought them. They had a, they had two foragers in every single store, right? And that's, what, six, 700 people? Um, and then when Amazon bought them, they went away from it. Most grocers are never going to spend that money to put foragers in every store. It's too expensive. So they lean on us. We become their foragers. They, okay. they, they may have a handful of, of local suppliers, but it's not enough, right? Um, so they'll say, okay, we need, you know, uh, I don't know, in the fall, we need spaghetti squash. We need, you know, more heirloom tomatoes. We need more rainbow shard. You know, go find us folks, and we'll go out and do it for them. Um, which saves them money and time, and we can then check the quality. We can make sure they're reliable, make sure they have insurance, you know, all the rest of it. Um, so, you know, we're their foragers, right? We're not. We're, we're digitizing to make it accessible, right? And then we're we're foraging for them. And you know, before forager, right? When my one of my first customers was a seven store grocery store here in Maine. Before before forager, and they bought a lot local, right? In the summer. The, the buyer, the warehouse buyer, we get 30, 40 emails, right, from 40 different farms. Yeah, right. and, they would, and, the, and they would have PDFs and MailChimp's and emails, and they'd have to scroll through all this stuff, load it into some document, Google Doc or something, and then email and call everyone back and wait. And now they can just go on our platform, see what's available, and in a few clicks, be done, all right, all in one place. I have to say it's you know it's it's brilliant. Uh, honestly, I'm biased, but it, it just <laughs> you might makes it so okay. much it makes it so David, much easier. David, I've got one. Go ahead, Peter. I've got, one. I've got actually a, a couple of questions, observations. Call it call it what you like. I I got very very frustrated during the pandemic because I would try to buy online, and you could you could get a slot for a delivery. Like next week. Yeah. So, so, the, so the, there's an important component in the process of getting the food from the farm to the customer, and that's called who who does the, who does the delivery, and is it is the delivery accomplished in a timely manner? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so we don't we don't move products. We're not a distributor, right? Okay. Um, so our preferred model, and again, it's different if you're, if you're a, you know, a produce a farmer or you're a cheese maker or a meat maker or, you know, a kombucha maker or a tortilla maker. We even have people that do CBD and all this other stuff. Um, it's crazy. We have people that do biodegradable dental floss because they believe a woman runs this bio, <laughs> believe that the dental, the dental floss is bad for the fish. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's true, right? So, so, uh, so our model is if the farm can deliver directly from their farm, you know, in the same day, that's what we try to support. You know, okay, you know, and we do have some, we do have some distributors on the platform um, because you know, some of the farms don't have trucks, um, and you know, but they're very focused on you know local farms and they aggregate into a single warehouse. So we do some of that too. But our strong preference, and also the pharmacy makes more money. If they go through a distribution system, they have to give up 30%, 35% of their dollars, you know. And then the other thing that happens is some of them will group. Like four or five farms will, you know, share a truck. Um, but that's what we rely on. And then if it's a, if it's a shelf-stable product, right, they drop shift it. They drop shift it. And we have a, a, a solution to, you know, help have the grocer pay for 
the, the shipping on our platform so they don't have to deal with it later. And a lot of these people were paid by check, you know, and they don't, they don't want to pay people by check anymore, the younger generation. It's a hassle. Um, so we also allow them to be paid directly with, you know, electronically, which is also a big benefit. The farms get their money faster. The grocer can just push a button. Um, I know that's not super interesting, but it's also another hassle um, that, you know, that, 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 is, uh, that makes it more, much more easy. Right. What was your other question, Rabbit? Oh, well, the, the, other, the other thing I hate is going early to my local Whole Foods, which is uh, about 500 yards from my house, by the way. It's an extremely oh. convenient place to yes. shop. But, but the place is filled with personal shoppers. Oh, yeah. First, first thing do, you have, do you not you have any? You can't, get, you, can't get, you can't get to produce. You can't get to the county you want to get to because... Yeah, do you have, do, do you have any... Country. Sorry, go ahead, go Peter, ahead. go ahead. Do you, have any, uh, do you have any other, like, local stores, you know, more mom-and-poppy food co-ops, you know, that are smaller businesses? Because we love to support the smaller independent retailers, you know, the small business person. So it's probably a little more expensive, but if you have those, not that Whole Foods isn't a good company, but, you know, I recommend... You know, go into supporting your local local grocer if you can, or yeah, your local butcher. Or of we have a food uh, co-op that's yeah. probably as big as Whole Foods. Yeah, do, 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 well, support Google. them. I know it's more expensive, but these are good people that really work locally with the food system. No, I mean they're, really very, they're very busy. I mean they're really hugely busy. Our local food. Google, Google, What's the name Google of the food co-op? East End East End Food Cooperative. All right, we will. We have about a dozen food co-ops on our platform. Do you guys have any? Do you know the connect? Do you know anybody? Do you know the manager or the no. anybody there? Or? No. All right. Well, I'll send them. I'll, when you're done, I will send their your podcast to them, and just you, you know, I'll just you know get the. It's typically GM at whatever food co-op dot com, and I'll just send it to them. So right. you give them it's a plug. East, East <laughs> and yeah. Food Cooperative. And it's and it's the a great East co-op, and right? Food co-op. Yeah, and it's a really good co-op. And oh, it's, it's a really good co-op, people. right. That's right. why it's always so busy, you know. So, right, perfect. Um, you, know, you know, Maggie still works there in the forest. Well, the, 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 the yeah. one, one of the wonderful things about uh, David's business is you can, get, you can get all kinds of things that are bad for you as well as things that are good for you. Like, <laughs> like, like, like right, I know. Cookies of various different kinds. So you, so you can round out your order with, with things that are going to round out your waistline. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you can eat you can eat healthier things that round out your waistline, right? Like you know, if you buy local chips, they tend to have less sodium and less you oh, know okay. cottonseed oil and all that other stuff that you know big manufacturers put in it. You know, they they'll use safflower oil or sunflower oil, or they'll do something that's you know more healthy for you. Well, thank you very much well, for telling your story. Yeah, and you're a delight to talk to, so we're really appreciative Well, I want to say too. one more. You're very kind. I want to say one more thing, and the reason why I did this, because I'm a successful entrepreneur, and I've been fortunate. You know, I have five kids, but my grandparents were farmers, um, and they actually came across Ellis Island. Um, they were persecuted. They were Jewish, um, and they came with their clothes on their back, and it was right after World War One, and they arrived Ellis Island and they had no money and they were giving away land in Connecticut because, you know, 
The, the government wanted people to grow food to feed the nation. They walked with a bunch of other people to Colchester, Connecticut, and they started a farm um, oh, in, wow. in the 50s or 40s, I guess. It was probably, actually, it was before that, before, probably in the 30s. Uh, 30s. Probably in the 30s. Um, and it was a multi-purpose farm. And, and my, we used to go there. My mother used to take us there, you know, in the summer because, you know, we wanted to spend time on the farm. And my, this is a true story, my un- great uncle was the butcher and had a small store. It weighed like 300 pounds. I hated going in there. My other cousin was the baker. And my other cousin was the uh, egg, the yeah, chicken farmer. And my mother would take me around to all these places on Sunday morning. And we, everybody knew everybody. And it was, you know, they were all immigrants, right? Um, yeah. And they all went out of business um, in the 70s, all of them, because a big agriculture, you know, took over. And it was very sad for me, um, you know, and, and very emotional. So this is a, a passion of mine is to help rebuild our local food system. And this is... You know, I don't do this because I'm trying to make a million dollars. I do it because it's so important to the health of our planet. And also, you know, during this COVID crisis, you know, we have 110 million Americans that are pre-diabetic or obese because they, you know, a lot of them eat lousy food. And I'm not trying to criticize anybody. Please understand that. I'm just talking about health. And a lot of these people, as well as people that didn't have access to health care, were the ones that suffered the most during COVID because, mm-hmm. you know, so eating healthy, rich vitamin food is so important. Um, and, and if people don't have money, a lot of states have pro, SNAP programs now where they will actually give you 50% off local food right, if you right, don't have, right. you know, the money to pay for it. Um, and a lot of the smaller grocers and food cops have these programs already in their POS system. So if you show up with a SNAP card, you're going to get 50% off those organic strawberries, and they're going to be cheaper than your conventional ones. Um, so it isn't just elite wealthy people that can get local food. It's also people that don't have money, and it's really important um, um, for everybody. Um, and, you know, if, you're, if your listeners – you know, care about local food and really what they should ask their chef or their restaurant, you know, to buy more local food or tell their grocer, um, you know, because it's so important and we're just trying to make it easier. And I would really like you guys to come up to Portland, Maine. I'm happy to bring you around to some of our farms, give you a private tour and treat you to some really great local seafood if you like it. Um, and you're really, I mean this sincerely, you're really welcome. Um, I love interesting people and people that like food, you're really seriously welcome to come and visit me. I'm, I'm a, well, I'm a, I like to meet people. I mean, David, I'm you, not just you're, saying... You're, a very, you're very, very friendly, super friendly, and connected with people, I can tell. Well, I'm glad I found you. Um, again, listeners, it's, uh, the company is called Go Forager, and, and talk to whoever you got your supplies about, about joining up with, them, with the, the company. And for local, supporting local businesses, local makers, local farmers. David, um, continuing success to you, and thank you so much. And we will promote you on our social media channels once you put the podcast out oh, to try to get some right. more viewers uh, around here. And very nice to meet you both, Peter um, and, and Anne, and co- congratulations on all the years of marriage we could we could have some fun another day talking about that but uh, but it's so nice to meet both of you and i wish you the best success with your on the menu uh, and continued uh, uh, good efforts on, on on your part thanks so much cheers thank you david bye-bye podcasting services for on the menu radio are provided by asp station www.aspstation.net
back. Next up, we're going to talk to Kristen Bryan about her book called Better Than Beef, the new plant-based meat comfort food cookbook. And uh, while this was not uh, instigated because of the pandemic, everyone seems to be much more health conscious now. And uh, one of the uh, side effects of that is an interest in eating um, plant more plant-based foods. And uh, Chris is going to tell you all about our options. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Kristen Bryan, um, your book, Better Than Beef, the plant-based meat comfort food cookbook, um, is pretty much on trend with what people are interested in right now. Um, and, and But instead of just doing straight um, vegetarian, you're using substitute um, meats, right? Yes. F- yes, we are. Okay. And um, now we've tried those. And um, you you haven't said uh, in, in your book, which is the one that you recommend for all your recipes. Well, we I, I recommend any of the plant-based ground beef substitutes that are out there or, or uh, you know, those there's many of them that are already flavored, but if you get the ones that are just the closest to your basic ground beef, um, that is that's what I use throughout the book when I when I created these recipes. Okay, because we had someone sent us samples of um, Beyond Beef mm-hmm. and burgers, and we compared that to a regular real beef burger, and the uh, Beyond Beef was much tastier. But it was really seasoned. It was highly yes. seasoned. Yes. It is. It is. So a, a lot of the the ground beef, the plant-based ground beef now, you can purchase it as a, uh, as a burger. You know, it's already pre-made for you, and it does have that, that flavor of a burger. So uh, what I recommend is if you want to use that for – a burger. That's wonderful. That's great. You can you can do that. You can even um, add your own spices to it, uh, grind it up, and re- reform a patty. But for the book, I actually took. They have a pound uh, package. Uh, Impossible Meat has that same package, and so does Beyond. And so I used both of those um, at as a as my. Uh, product when I created these recipes, and I still today that's that's what I purchase. I'll purchase the. It almost looks exactly like if you went to the grocery store and you picked up a pound of ground beef. Um, that's what this is, and there's no spices in it. There's not. There's no flavoring. You really can take it and create your own flavor. Um, oh, okay. Because the one the one we had was already seasoned, right? Yes, it was. And, yeah. it, and it was seasoned very well, by the way, very often. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. But you wouldn't want yeah. to make yeah. it into all these recipes that uh, Kristen's doing because you wouldn't have a blank uh, canvas to work on for, for her recipes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that was the idea of the book? Yes, yes. I mean, the, the thought process behind the book is really um, – it's an opportunity for 
people who are not strictly vegetarian, or they might be vegetarian, but really for folks like me, who I, uh, part of my family is vegetarian and the, the other part is not, and I eat maybe 70 to 80% plant-based and the rest I, I eat regular meat or fish. But um, this was an opportunity to really uh, bring yummy, home-cooked meals that, you know, you, your grandmother or your noni might have made uh, for you and make them vegetarian. This is, and, and to be clear, this is not a vegan cookbook. Uh, it is vegetarian, but it is not vegan. So, yeah, I noticed that, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I butter think, and cream and all kinds of stuff, yeah, eggs. Oh, right, right. Cause, yeah. You know, I mean, you have to have all of that cheese. These, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. To Lots of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you know, mac and cheese. And, the, and these were recipes that I, I have made all my life. Some of them, my grandmother, my mom, my sister, um, you know, we've, we've sat in the kitchen and made these recipes with regular ground beef. Uh, but this was an opportunity to create something that was more plant-based. It allows uh, people who are toying with the idea of eating more plant-based um, to be able to create recipes that the entire family will enjoy, but it's a plant-based recipe. So it's, it's plant-based, just not vegan. Yeah, we have um, a nephew who was the only one in, in that family um, that's vegetarian. But they, my um, brother-in-law has found certain recipes that we all can enjoy that, um, that's not, that it wouldn't work with vegan. <laughs> right, no. <laughs> yeah, like a certain lasagna that has cheese and cream and there's something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess more people are interested in plant-based dining now than ever before and um i i could tell the trends by the the books i get i mean i could see more people writing books on plant-based foods now um and and also comments on on um, mine but um i i haven't noticed that that there's been it used to be that a lot of vegetarian cooking, in fact, we had a restaurant that did solely vegetarian cooking, but it's in the, it was in the realm of faux meats, you know, with the, like things that looked like a slice of turkey. Oh, right. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. In fact, mm-hmm. we did... Um, we did a um, Thanksgiving dinner for our family where one somebody's vegan, and uh, she requested because we were all going to be eating turkey. She requested this, and I looked everywhere. I finally found it. It's expensive stuff, things that actually look like slices of real turkey, but it's vegan. Right, right. You can right. buy that actually. Yes, you can buy that at, at most grocery stores now. Yeah, I don't really approve of it. It's like fake beer. <laughs> You know, I mean, if you, I mean, a friend of mine was in AA, but she she drank non-alcoholic beer that looked exactly like the real thing. I mean, I don't imagine you'd be breaking your uh, your habit. <laughs> no. no. Well, so okay, so then we went through that phase. We went through. Uh, in fact, I was just reading um, a, a, a 
a book by Deborah Madison about how you know she started out as a, a pupil of Buddhism and she she um, lived in a Buddhist monastery in San Francisco and back in the day and um, it was all that tofu stuff you know rice and tofu and but then we got more sophisticated and so did she and so uh, you have places that are vegetable forward um mm-hmm. but they don't use the term vegetarian and in between that was this faux meat stuff and now we're into another thing altogether which is what you're doing is it's it, it, it's not faux meat in the sense that it looks like the, the meat counterpart, but actually is produced um, or processed to be like the, the meat product. Yes. And then, of course, there, mm-hmm. on the other hand, there's the stuff that they, they grow tissue, animal tissue. How do you feel about animal tissue? They put the you cells know- in a Petri dish. Yeah, I I actually am am completely fascinated by food science, um, mm-hmm. but I I don't I don't pretend to know much about what we're doing in in respect to um, actually cultivating meat, actual animal protein. So I can't really speak to that because I, I don't know enough about it. But I am following a lot of companies that are creating plant-based products. Um, And so, like, App Harvest is a great supplier of plant, you know, plant-based food. Um, And then, of course, there's Impossible and Beyond, and there's several others. Um, And I just, I'm, I'm also a huge fan of, of the Blue Zone diet, Dan Butner, Butner. Um, so I, yeah, he, he has a book that's, uh, about Centaurians in the blue zone, the blue zones across the oh, world. Blue zone. And, I didn't hear you correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating because the majority of the Centaurians that live in these blue zones lit, eat plant-based diets. So I, I think there is definitely uh, something to be said for eating a a more plant-based diet. Now, I am not, again, I'm not a vegetarian, but I do eat more plant-based than I than I eat meat protein. But I I love fish, um, and I'm, I'm a chef, so I, I absolutely adore uh, recipe, unique recipes when it you know comes to cooking uh, meat protein and fish. Uh, so, but I completely believe in the uh, plant-based movement and the health, um, the yeah, healthy living lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, some people say that this, these products that you're using, like Beyond and Impossible and all those things, that they're actually um, more detrimental to health than if you just used the vegetables themselves, you know, just vegetables, because they're so mm-hmm. overly processed. I read mm-hmm. some of the ingredients in this Beyond Meat, and, I mean, there was a lot I couldn't pronounce. Yeah. So I think, here's how I feel about that. I think um, 
everything in moderation. You know, my grandmother always said, Kristen, you'll live a long, healthy life if you do everything in moderation. And that's right before she tipped the cookie jar towards me. (laughs) Um, So I believe, I definitely believe everything in moderation. But I also feel like this, uh, you know, I know that there are some ingredients that we don't, you know, you you don't know what they are because they're, they're these long, drawn out names. Um, I don't know that there's any, uh, any uh, detrimental um, items in these products. I think they're perfectly healthy. I believe in them 100%. And I think what it does is that it really helps us think twice about what we eat and, you know, what we're putting into our bodies. And I think it also helps give meat lovers an opportunity to switch to a more plant-based diet. So I, I do know that I've read all of the, uh, you know, I've, I've read a, quite a bit of what people are concerned about. And certainly processed foods um, is a concern. I don't, I don't have a lot of them in my own home, but I don't consider this a highly processed food. I consider it an option, a really good option to feed my family when we're taking a little break from, you know, from ground beef. So you don't think there's anything unhealthy about this, the uh, substitutes? No, I don't think there is. Mm-mm. No, no I, I, and I fully believe in the in the companies who are researching it too. And food scientists, um, you know, they they put in a lot of work prior to putting this out on the market. Um, so I feel really confident uh, in, in these products, especially Impossible Meat and Beyond Meat. Really? Because there are lots of nutritionists that are opposed to them. Oh, I'm sure. And, I mean, there are. And I think, I think there's a lot of people who are opposed to things like, you know, as you get older, you're not supposed to have dairy, but who could do without butter? So, um, you know, I, unless you're a vegan. So I, again, everything in moderation um, I, I don't know that I would have a you know seven day a week diet of any one thing, um, but I think it's perfectly healthy uh, option and provides a really nice way to feed your family, especially when you have you know individuals who would prefer ground meat. I mean, my my family can't tell the difference. Especially there's a, a recipe that I developed for Thai lettuce wraps in the book. Um, and that is a regular request at my in my house. Which one's that? The, the Thai, Thai, the Thai, Thai lettuce wraps. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and now uh, let's go back to this book. Um, as you you says it's comfort food, um, but mm-hmm. it's like it, it's some of these recipes I haven't even thought about in many years. What led you to these particular recipes? Well, when I was coming up with the recipes, um, I was thinking back to my childhood and thinking back to what my grandmother would make for for all this. She had uh, she had a lot of grandchildren, <laughs> and she was she was one of those grandmas who really loved to cook for us. And so those those I started just thinking, okay, what comfort food did I grow up eating? that made me feel wonderful, you know, um, and then what did, 
what do I make for my family that they that they request on a regular basis? And so mac and cheese with all kinds of toppings is a really big um, request in my house. I know. I'm not sure why, um, to say the truth. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was surprised I, I, to encounter, which I hadn't even thought about for years and years and years, you have a recipe for spaghetti casserole in there. Tell us about that. Oh, I lived, well, I still live in the, in the southeast, but I lived in the south for a while. And I, this is a, a recipe that I did not become aware of uh, until I was much older. But I had gone over to a friend's house. My daughter and I were over there for dinner. And she, her mom was uh, a southern belle. And she was making us dinner, and I said, what, "What's on What's on the menu for dinner?" And she said, "Oh, it's it's uh, spaghetti casserole." And I thought, <laughs> "Spaghetti casserole? I've never heard of such a thing." I I just you know I tasted it, and I thought, "This is amazing. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing." Um, it is you know full of cheese, uh, but and lots of wonderful stuff. But after a hard day of work, um, I sat down at that table and tasted that food. And you don't need a lot because it's certainly very rich, but it was just wonderful. And I felt like oh, it's one of those things where you wanted to lick the plate when everything was you know gone. Um, and I thought, well, if we're going to put you know really amazing comfort food in this book, I'm going to include this because it's one of my new favorites. And then I started making it for my own family, and they loved it. You know, I, I came across, as I said, a lot of these recipes I hadn't even thought of in years. They're, they're really old-fashioned comfort food. But the the one that, that um, struck me was you have this Salisbury steak recipe in oh. it. And I, yeah. I, I've forgotten when I was... Um, in college at the University of Michigan, uh, I ate in the cafeteria, and they had um, a Salisbury steak, and I bit into <laughs> it, and I got a nail pierced in my tongue. <laughs> no! Oh, yeah, and so terrible. I had to go to the, uh, to what, what do we call the, uh, you know, the doctor, uh, the student health service, and um, they gave me a form to fill out on reason and why you went to see the doctor. And there wasn't mm-hmm. really a lot of, of um, space to write. So I said, nail and tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry I had forgotten about all about that. That was, a, that was a really, I mean, so I've never been really fond of Salisbury steak. Here's oh. a different question for you, Kristen. Sure. Has, has anybody said... I really like the look of a pork chop. Has anyone ever really said I really like the look of... I really like the idea of a strip steak because it looks so nourishing. Do no, I it? don't think I've ever had anyone actually say that to me, but I think sometimes, I mean, I, I cook those things, and so I, I feel like they do look beautiful on a plate when they're cooked well. Um, but I haven't had anyone say that to me. No. So, do you miss meat, <laughs> or are you eating it? I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's not a meal unless there's meat on the plate. The what? 
What is it? I said, it said as far as I'm concerned, it's not, it's not a meal if there's meat on the plate. Oh, yeah, that's right. So well, I'm, 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 a, I'm a carnivore. But we yeah, eat a lot and, of fish and, as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we well, have a I subscription think... to a fish market, actually, in, in Boston, Oh, nice. Yeah, so we get uh, fish deliveries, um, and it's really high-quality fish. Um, wolves with a U, you know, look it up. And um, it's really quality fish. And, you know, we, we miss meat when we don't have it if we have fish. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so we Peter, always have vegetables, you are the, too, though. That's good. That's good. And Peter is the exact person, I think, that a you know, this this particular product exactly. is designed for. Because, Peter, if you like the taste of, of ground beef or you like the taste of meat and you miss it and you don't think that you're having, don't feel like you're really having a meal without it, then this is a great way to substitute ground beef um, and still have what you would feel like, like a Salisbury steak with, with, with the, the, the Parmesan and chive mashers. I mean, that's just going to – or the cheeseburger soup is um, – I mean, if I do say so myself, is amazing. Um, my family loves that one. So I, I think you are the exact target market for this type of a book because you really love meat. But then again, if you wanted to just give your body something different and fully plant-based one night, then you have that option. Well, we we have something a little different tonight, just for the hell of it. We 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 had a cookbook from a company that that's a it's a meat shop on Madison Avenue in New York City, and one and one of the recipes they had in their book is ground veal and chicken, and it's awesome. Ooh, we, we, yeah, well, it's become one of his specialties. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a, sta- it's a staple. Can, mm-hmm. can you imagine? Most people wouldn't even wouldn't even wouldn't even recognize ground veal if they saw it. <laughs> Probably they not. Have any, yes. um, do they have any? Uh, um, I don't. I don't want to keep calling them some meat. Uh, do they have any kind of uh, plant-based um, organ meats? I. Don't think so. I not that I seen know any. of. Mm-mm. No, I guess not, not that not. popular in this country. See, we we are total carnivores. We eat liver too. <laughs> no, wait a minute. I thought we only ate organic liver, which because the liver, um, the liver sort of deals with all the toxins, so you don't want anything but organic liver. I don't know. So uh, now back to your comfort food. How many times a week do you serve pizza dip? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I don't serve pizza dip um, every week because <laughs> I would eat it. I all. would think your kids uh, would be dying for that unless they, they didn't like all of it. So. Yeah, you know what they do like? They like uh, they love the pizza dip. They love the chili dip, and they love the poutine. Um, oh, Peter was and, here. Peter noticed you had a poutine recipe in here, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they love that. We those went are, those to, are some um, of their favorites. We were in Toronto, and, uh, and we had an official press tour. And every place they took us, uh, including the farmer's markets and all that, 
everybody served as poutine. <laughs> yes. And the, the funny part about it is you're, you're really not supposed to eat it in Toronto. It's, a, it's, a, it's the home food of Montreal. Yes, from Montreal. Oh, yeah. I, I've actually never had it in Canada, which, you know, someday I will. But uh, I used to make it at the restaurant I worked in and uh, loved it. And it was, it was quite um, – it was an appetizer, and it was ordered quite often. So oh. I, I do love poutine. Where are you located? We didn't ask. Oh, well, I'm located in Orlando, Florida right now, actually oh, in the, yeah, in the town of Celebration. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's Disneyland, right? Yes, yes. I'm in the town that Disney built, uh, Celebration, Florida. It's where I live, and uh, it's about 10 minutes from Walt Disney World, which is who I used to work for. Oh, okay. Funny. You know, we had a friend who worked at the, the, uh, the Marriott. I can't remember the name of the... She's a chef. Uh, the name is a restaurant in Marriott. And mm. in Disney World. And then she had um, she had a her own restaurant called the Rusty... What was it, Rabbit? I don't uh, oh, the Rusty Spoon. Yes. There you go. Oh, yeah. the, Kathleen Blake. Kathleen. Yeah, yes, you know I know, Kathleen. I know Kathleen Blake. Yes, <laughs> she's amazing. She is amazing. Last time I was in Orlando, I I called her up because she said if you're ever in Orlando, you must call. So I called. And this was about eight thirty in the evening, and she said, "When are you coming for dinner?" <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, she's yes, now she's absolutely in uh, lovely. Portland, Maine. Maine. Yes, she she yeah. is with she was working with Melissa Kelly. That's I think where she is back in Maine. Yes. Because there's yes. a primo uh, also in Portland, Maine. Right, right. In Pittsburgh, they call it the white tornado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she is actually, absolutely amazing. Oh, she yeah, is. I've, I, I had the, um, had the pleasure of eating at her restaurant a couple of times before she left Orlando, and it was amazing. I was sad to see her go, but I am happy for her. Um, oh, she yeah. is, I mean, she's she's amazing, that's right. And, of she, course, you would appreciate the fact that she has worked these long hours as a chef and as mm-hmm. a head chef and as executive chef while raising four kids. I I have to tell her, uh, I mean, and I, and someday I'd probably, well, actually, we, last time we met, I, I don't know how she did it, but um, I I understand that feeling because it's, there, it is long, long, long days, and uh, I did not... I was not working in a restaurant while I was mm-hmm. raising my children, uh, but I did just spend the last two and a half years in a in a Walt Disney yeah. World restaurant where, where we we served about 600 uh, customers a day and in a in a um, signature restaurant. And it, it's 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 a long work day. I don't know how she did it. It's, <laughs> it's a, a killer. very, very long work day. I don't know how you did it. Yeah. Well, you need to have a very understanding husband, which she does have. So, anyhow. Yes. Well, yes. okay, Kristen Bryan, um, listeners, again, uh, if if you want to just explore the uh, the area of plant-based meat from a, a very uh, comforting perspective, get this book. It's called Better Than Beef, and you'll find all these uh, comfort recipes that everybody grew up on and uh, loved. Everybody loves to bake, so um, but all altogether plant based. 
Kristen, Brian, thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, um, uh, thank you for having wait, me. Yeah. So wait for your next book. <laughs> oh well, thank you, thank you. Thank well, I you. will. I will let you know. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Kristen. Bye bye. Oh, it's my pleasure. Bye. Well, that's a wrap, as we say, or used to say. Um, me, I, I would like to have this whole thing go away so that we could go to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we quite like, to, 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 to self-disclosure, we quite like fake meat. <laughs> we've, 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 fake we've, meat. We've tried, we've tried it and the spicing is very good. Yeah, the seasoning is good. So you should you should definitely try some, and this book is a wonderful way. You get all of the dishes that that provide you with comfort and delight from growing up, and 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 you feel indulgent, and yet you're being healthy. (laughs) How about how about that? Yeah, and go forage. There you have it. Until same time, same place next week. Bye bye.